just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. As we head into a three-day all-star weekend, I can tell you that the Utah legislature isn't slowing down. Lead producer Emily Means is here, and this is your weekly news roundup. It's Friday, February 17th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta. This is CityCast, and here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Emily Means, are we done with the Utah legislative session yet? (laughs) Um, No, Allie, I think we're a little past the halfway point. (laughs) But uh, this is is the time when we're going to start barreling down the hill to the end. Oh, we haven't been barreling? (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, this legislative session has been kind of special in that it's been full speed ahead from the very beginning. Usually it's like the last couple of weeks of the session where you're like, hold on to your pants. Let's get this thing over with. But uh, yeah, this this session is special. Well, and usually it feels like the sort of like really, really spicy bills get crammed mm-hmm. in at the end. But they've just been rolling out spicy bills from day one. And it, I mean, they're just not scared of us. Like they, I just continue to be like, they don't care what we think at all. They're being extremely shadowy. They're not acting afraid, you know? Like yeah. there's no rhyme or reason. They're just like, here's a bill. Oh, wh- what? Most Utahns hate it? Well, can't hear you. You know, I find that really interesting, Allie. I think that's like, you know, the former politics reporter in me where, yeah, we were like always prepared for the last couple of weeks of the session to have the most controversial bills or like, you know, some big surprises. But just from the get go, they're like, you know what? Yeah, this is our agenda. We're moving ahead. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Well, I guess let's start with the dooziest, which is, I would call it the capital T-H-E abortion bill mm-hmm. has landed on our desks. It is HB 467. It's getting started in the House. It is being sponsored by Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby of Clearfield, most known perhaps for her really riveting testimony last legislative session that she believes women should be more mindful of how much semen they take in in their lives and that that is how they could prevent pregnancy. This is a very controversial figure who continues to roll out these sort of like extreme messaging bills. And this abortion bill, what it would do is it would stop all licensing of new abortion clinics in Utah starting in May, and then it would eliminate all abortion clinics in Utah starting in January 2024. People who qualify for, I mean, even just saying that gets into a lot of questions about access, right? Like mm. the the tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people who under those circumstances, would still find their way to abortion care, whether or not the law allowed it for them or not, would be able to receive that care at hospitals. But there are a lot of reasons that only getting that care at hospitals is 
difficult, the biggest one being the most expensive place. Mm. And you, I mean, if you are a person who doesn't like basically work at the U and have the best healthcare on earth, like, you know this, the most expensive place to get anything done is a hospital. Right. And the care providers who testified against this bill said the same thing. They were like, well, if you wanted to reduce access, if you wanted to make this healthcare option more expensive, this is the way to do it, is by limiting it only to hospitals. Mm -hmm. And Ali, I did want to mention another thing that this bill does. Those exceptions that we have for rape or incest uh, from the abortion trigger law that is currently on hold in the courts, that would be limited to 18 weeks of pregnancy. So they're continuing to narrow the scope of when abortions are allowed in this state. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there are a couple things that I feel like we just need to say. One, this bill is more extreme. This bill is more comprehensive than I think any of us expected. I think we expected a legislative session that was going to be continuing to slowly chip away at abortion care, which is a form of health care. And this is just mesmerizingly all-encompassing to the point where you're like, here's another one for the courts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to say is I, me, Ali Vallarta, I think it is monstrously naive of the Utah legislature to think that banning abortions means that people will stop getting them. It just means that people will stop getting them safely. And we know that it is scary to go to a hospital. Heck, I have friends who are like upper middle class nonprofit employees who don't go to the hospital when they're sick because they're like, I'm not sure I can afford it. It's overwhelming. Even just getting up to the U is a freaking nightmare given all of the construction and everything going on. Like, it's just people are just going to get unsafe abortions. That's what's going to happen. And the third thing is this is not good governance. This is bad for business. I know that like it's maybe the most insensitive case to make, but whenever we have conversations about abortion, I remember this story that was in Utah Business in September of last year about our OBGYN shortage. We have like the highest or one of the highest birth rates in the nation. In 2018, Utah was already 70 doctors short of meeting our OBGYN demand, okay? Now that deficit is projected to increase to 200 doctors by 2030. What makes the Utah legislature a body of people that I do truly believe cares about business in Utah, about Utah thriving, about population growth in Utah, they seem to be obsessed with it, think that this kind of legislation is going to do anything but scare off more care providers, maternal health care providers in this state. So yeah, being short 200 OBG buy-ins by 2030, good work, guys. Like, the ripple effect of this is going to be just beyond. Allie, I appreciate your candidness on this issue. You know, before I even joined this show, I was really interested in CityCast's abortion coverage. And, like, I feel yeah. like this is one of the most hotly debated, you know, it's one of the culture war issues. But, like, Polling in Utah has bounced back and forth on this for years. I think the most recent poll that I saw was from the Deseret News, which showed a majority of Utahns supported limiting abortion, right? And we've seen polls that have said opposite as well. So, I mean, what is the case that you want to make? There are a couple things. One is it is a form of health care 
right? And abortions happen for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's because someone is far enough along in a pregnancy and they know that they can't care for a child and so they need to abort that baby. Sometimes it's to complete a miscarriage, right? Sometimes abortions happen to save someone's life. This is a medical procedure that has been happening in our society for thousands of years. But only recently we have stigmatized it, right? And the truth is, like, even if you are someone who deep in your soul is averse to abortion for whatever reason, I promise you know someone, I promise you love someone who has had an abortion. It is common, right? And the other thing that upsets me so much about this issue is the lack of education and the lack of understanding. Most people who get an abortion already have children. Like that is statistically true. So this is about a doctor and a patient making a decision together about someone's health care. I think that this issue is messaged as being about murder or whatever, like the killing babies language, like all of these things that are so outside of the day-to-day practice of abortion. And I think for me, like the reason that in Utah in particular, I find this issue to be so aggravating is because the hypocrisy around it makes me feel like a crazy person. This is a state that is constantly preaching its love for families, its love for children. Why are we so obsessed with this single medical procedure and yet we turn a blind eye to 12.5% food insecurity in this state? Why are we so obsessed with this single medical procedure and yet we are consistently the worst ranked state for women? right? Across the board, not just in business, but at home, right? We have high rates of domestic violence. We have one of the highest teen suicide rates in the nation. Our families are not okay. And so if you really care about families, then you would care about family planning and you would endeavor to understand all the nuance in that. And a bill that closes abortion clinics, a bill that just exacerbates an existing healthcare crisis, a bill that scares off the kind of doctors that we need to care for families in this state is an insult to me. If you're going to talk out the other side of your mouth about how you're pro-family. I appreciate you making the case. This is my last thought, and then I promise I'll shut up, Emily. The most important information for people to know right now is that abortion in this state is still legal, it is still safe, and it is still accessible up to 18 weeks of pregnancy. So if you need care or you know someone who needs care, you can still access that care in Utah. This law is a threat, but nothing has shifted yet. Good point. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. 
You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. All right, let's talk about the cops. Let's talk about the cops. Let's talk about the cops. All right, Allie. This story has me spinning. (laughs) And, you know, we're interested in this because this directly impacts Salt Lake County. So basically, the legislature is trying to disband Unified Police Department by 2025. Just that, that headline on its face has us, I think, scratching our heads because it kind of sounds like, huh, Defund the police? (laughs) (laughs) The Utah, hey, the Utah legislature wants to defund the police. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about Unified Police Department. Uh, We call it UPD. It operates in Salt Lake County, and the cities that are served by it are these like small townships or tiny cities that don't have their own police department. So we're talking about Mill Creek, we're talking about Kearns, Holiday, these types of cities. And Salt Lake County Sheriff Rosie Rivera is both our county sheriff and the head of UPD. So what's interesting to me about this bill is that Sheriff Rivera is supporting it. And she says she's supporting it because she has no other choice to. Here's the quote from her. She says she has basically been backed into a corner by political forces on this bill. So... That's just. I mean, which <laughs> mind blowing because this is the kind of thing that we all suspect is happening yeah. when, like, someone takes a confusing position on I don't know disbanding the institution they head, but like she really came out swinging yep. and being forthcoming about it, like. I'm being bullied, is my read. Totally, totally. I mean, the bill sponsor, Representative Jordan Tusher, he lives in Salt Lake County. He's a Republican from South Jordan. Basically, he said, if this doesn't happen now, the bill is going to come back every single year. So, you know, no time like the present. (laughs) And um, I will break down Representative Tusher's argument for you. He's saying that cities who are not part of UPD in Salt Lake County, so... Who knows which cities these are? He says these cities are upset that their dollars are going to UPD, even though they're not members. Now, I don't know if that's 
true. I don't know if that's exactly how funding for UPD works. Maybe he means because Salt Lake County Sheriff Rosie Rivera is, you know, her salary is paid by taxpayers. That's I don't know if that's the line that he's drawn, but he's saying that there is a conflict of interest here because Sheriff Rivera works for the county, but is also the head of UPD. So dismantling UPD cleans that up, I guess. It's so interesting because I think I find this kind of stuff really confusing. But the way that when I read this story, I was thinking about it is that it kind of reminds me of like how we talk about healthcare. So it's like, well, if we all opt in, then we all kind of get the same service, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But like if some people opt in and some people opt out and we're constantly hopscotching around it, then it becomes this pay for service model. Like cities with more money are going to have a better funded police force. They're going to have quicker response times, et cetera, et cetera. Cities with less are going to have less. Like we kind of all have to be in on it or we're all out. Like it's, it's like a police force marketplace. Well, and over the years, you know, that UPD has been in operation, I think it started in 2009, cities have jumped in and out of it. I remember I did a story a couple of years ago, I think it was 2020, you know, lots of talk about policing in 2020, but yeah. uh, Taylorsville was leaving UPD then. I talked to Riverton Mayor Trent Staggs, though, which had left UPD earlier, and they said that they were able to add more police officers for the same amount they had paid into UPD. So there's kind of this argument of, is UPD actually a good deal? And, you know, can we do it ourselves? And maybe for these smaller cities, though, in these townships, I don't I don't know how feasible it is for them. I mean, we already know that there's a police officer shortage, right? Or that's what we hear. So is it going to be hard for them to staff that? What are they going to do? Well, and I'd be curious how activists are thinking about this because there's, of course, a lot of conversation about regulating the police Mm -hmm. force Mm -hmm. and like enforcing different policies and, and things that make policing safer right and like so if you fragment the police forces into a bunch of little small ones then it's going to be a lot harder to regulate them and ensure that the similar policies are being implemented which could be good in some instances and could be bad in some instances i don't know but it certainly seems like fragmenting things makes them more confusing well and i was also wondering if this is an opportunity for cities to fund other social services Some other preventative services, maybe some mental health services. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is interesting. I think the last thing that I would say about this, I know we just said the last thing. (laughs) The last, last thing. The last, last last thing. thing. Uh, Representative Tusher pitched this as local control and giving that power back to the cities. And... I mean, in a way, I can see that. But if it is about local control, then why is the legislature forcing Salt Lake County to go this route? Isn't this something that Salt Lake County could decide on their own? Yeah. Or is tinfoil hat on, is the Salt Lake County Council going to the legislature and saying, you have to make Rosie, Mm. Sheriff Rosie Rivera, do what we want? Mm -hmm. And just a reminder, Sheriff Rosie Rivera is a Democrat in this office. And the Salt Lake County Council is now a Republican majority, even though the Salt Lake County mayor is also a Democrat. So if you want to play politics, right, and you're a like municipal or county level Republican, you also know that the legislature does love kind of like getting involved in local issues. And so you could absolutely march yourself up there and be like, here's what I need from you. (laughs) 
What a time. What a doozy. Okay, Allie, we're giving the people what they want. And what they want is accountability. (laughs) So a a month ago, you said you would go carless for a month. The people want to know, how did it go? Okay. Um, Listeners, I'm currently rubbing my temples. (laughs) This is not a safe space. (laughs) I'm going to get absolutely slammed for this. In case you're a new listener, one, we did an episode after I sold my beloved 08 Honda CRV to a mechanic from Heber for $1,500 cash on Facebook Marketplace in the Crown Burger parking lot, where I said, I'm going to give being car free a shot. And boy, did I mean it. But uh, boy, have I not. Because... Here's what keeps happening is the people in my life keeping like, I'm out of town, drive my car. And it is hard to go car free in Salt Lake when it's freezing cold and the service is not expansive enough to get me where I want to go. And I'm always late. And so I've just had a really hard time committing because I have keys in my hand. So Mm -hmm. what I need is Mm -hmm. for someone to come over, break down my door, take all the keys out of my house, throw them away, and then maybe I can try again. But car-free SLC is going poorly. Okay, so what I'm hearing is it didn't work because people keep giving you cars. (laughs) (laughs) People keep giving me cars. Not only that, but people who listen to this show have reached out to me to be like, you know, I sell cars. Oh, my God, (laughs) you guys. (laughs) The car lobby is coming for me. Oh, okay? wow. That's wow, what I'm wow. saying. Okay, well, Allie, if you wanted to test it out just for the weekend, it's a great uh-huh. time to do that because it's I free know. fair for a week for the All-Star yeah. game. Test it out, buddy. Okay, Allie, one other update, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said in our resolution show, you said you had a goal to go to every bar in Salt Lake County. That's like, what, 200 bars, right? Yeah. How's it going? So it's actually um, going amazing. So I said that in the year 2023, I was going to have at least one drink at every single bar in Salt Lake County that is classified with a CL bar license. So not restaurants, just bars. Like you walk in and there's a sign that says this is a bar. Got it. So I made a spreadsheet. I made a map. My spreadsheet had 201 bars. And it is February 16th, and I have been to 21 bars. Pretty good. I think I'm on track, especially given that summer, it's much easier Mm -hmm. to, like, hit more bars. You can walk between them. It's just more of a party time of year. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I think I'm really on track. I've been hitting a lot of the downtown locations since they're more walkable, et cetera. I love that. Well, we'll look forward to your next update. Thank you. Okay. All-Star Weekend. Here it is. We both love the NBA. We love the sports. Sports ball. NBA All-Star Weekend. Emily means, what are you doing? What's on your agenda? Okay, Allie, you convinced me. I'm going to the Celebrity All-Star Game. I'm going to ah! do it. I'm going to do yeah. it. You convinced me. And also Salt Lake Tribune <laughs> jazz beat writer Andy Larson saying this is a once in a gen- generation opportunity gave me real FOMO. So I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> It's going to be hilarious. I bet you it'll this, be a good time. A bunch of like B-list celebrities and one A-list celebrity. Okay, two A-list celebrities playing basketball sponsored by Ruffles. And Ruffles <laughs> I mean, have ridges. 
and Ruffles have ridges. I have layers. Okay, so I'm going to this, <laughs> going to this game. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Right. Well, I'm going to be at the Celebrity All Star Game. And then the other thing I'm excited for is basically that there's going to be a nine-hour concert Saturday and Sunday at the Gallivan Center. Vibras del Lago, which are the folks that put on the Cumbia Nights at Alibi. They, like, throw these Cumbia parties. Mm -hmm. They're playing on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, if nothing else comes from All-Star Weekend, then I get to dance to Cumbia at the Gallivan Center in the middle of the day. I love that for you. That's going to be a great time. You know, if it's outside, it's quite wintry still. <laughs> it's pretty cold, so bundle up and cold. boogie down. Yeah. All right. Well, Emily Means, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. I will see you on Tuesday. Yeah, you will. It's a three-day weekend. Sounds good. Have a good weekend, Allie. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. Just a quick note, like we said, no podcast or newsletter from us on Monday. It's President's Day? Who knew? But we love a holiday. So we will see you on Tuesday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.